Hi, my name is Steven. Hi, I'm April. This is the Three Pi Squared ABA Business Leaders Podcast, where we discuss topics on how to create and grow an ethical and sustainable ABA practice. Together, Stephen and I owned a seven-figure ABA practice that provided both clinic and in-home services. 3Pi Squared has helped over 900 ABA practices start up and expand with our comprehensive products and services geared specifically to ABA. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hello, everyone uh, listening and watching. We're going to do an Ask me anything today it's just me today so i am monitoring uh the facebook groups and our um microsoft teams webinar so just bear with me as i go through this so we have some questions right now um that i'm gonna go through got about five and um then um, i'll share my screen and we're gonna go through the budget uh, process because that came up uh, profitability came up so I will get into that after we go through the first few questions uh, and like I said I'm monitoring Facebook so if you have any questions please post them um, and I will do my best to answer them so the first question we got was about single case agreements so I'll give a brief overview of that um, and then uh, the, there was also a follow-up question about Medicaid uh, single case agreements, that is gonna depend on the state um, and if it's a managed care organization or um, if it's like you're going through the state. So that it does depend. And um, so I, I like just reach out is, is best practice and see if they'll do a single case agreement. And like an overview for a single case agreement in general, what I recommend doing is just going through, get the, get their card obviously, and then flip it over. You should see authorization department and then call the number, um, reach out, or, or um, when you do uh, actually get a human on the other end, then uh, see if they have an autism department or an ABA department. Most funders now have an, an autism or an ABA department uh, to start that single case agreement. Some of them are calling it non-participating provider um, agreement. And then they will send you this template typically that you'll have to fill out, um, requesting hours, things like this. Um, and then you'll submit it back and then they'll approve it. Now, there are a lot of caveats to this, like whether they approve it or not is gonna depend on how many providers in your area are already in network, um, the, the needs of the child. So if you have specialties that, that you do that others in your area don't, that can be helpful. So if you provide social skills groups or clinic, um, if you speak the primary language of the child, this can also help. So if they speak, you know, if the primary language in the household is, is something other than English and you uh, can speak that, that can also help with getting a single case agreement. So, you know, just reach out to the um, to the funder, see if they do allow single case agreements and then follow the steps. Uh, if they do deny it, there is some appeal processes uh, and getting the parents involved in this, if they really want to go with you, uh, can be very helpful. Um, they can appeal uh, that process. And then the uh, follow-up was tips for onboarding uh, clients. So highly recommend electronic forms. Uh, that's going to speed things up. Um, so I, I, would, I would recommend electronic forms. 
and then making it as easy as possible. So if you do have multiple forms, which you probably will have, like if, they, if you need a speech, an OT, a PT report, having a, a simple process for them to go through can be very helpful. Um, yeah, so, so just guiding them through that process and then giving them their benefits because you're going to have to find this out anyway. So give them their benefits in a writing. So what are their co-pays? What are their deductibles? What's their out-of-pocket max? Things like this so that they have that information. Um, so as you're starting services, there are no surprises. And then if you are using electronic or it doesn't really matter if you're not using electronic forms, but if you, know, you want to make sure that all of this stuff is uh, HIPAA compliant so that you have privacy in mind. You're not just, you know, building your own forms on some random website. Um, they are stored securely and safely. Uh, so that's that's really important as you're going through this process. Same with email. If you're transmitting these things through email, I highly recommend having HIPAA compliant email. Um, and really all of your systems should have HIPAA um, compliance uh, in nature and then um, you know, business associate agreements, things like that. All right. Next question is, um, how much should you save every year? Um, and this, this again, with all of the rest of these questions, um, are going to depend. So like, what are your plans, you know, for the next one to five years? Are you planning on expanding? Uh, are you planning on creating a clinic? Um, are you just, you know, are you happy with where you're at? Um, this can really change how much you want to save over time, right? So if you're expanding and you want to open up like a 5,000 square foot clinic and you're going to buy this space, you know, okay, you, you get, you know, a loan or a mortgage for the space, but how much work do you have to do? to get the space up to where you want it to be. So are you having to get contractors in to build rooms and, and, and things like this, then you're definitely going to want more money on hand uh, in those, in that case. Um, so, you know, really it's going to depend on um, what your plans are for growth over the next few years, right? Would, would determine um, how much you should save. Now, I do recommend having like two to three months at minimum uh, of payroll in your account, in your bank account at all times, uh, if, if that's at all possible, uh, just because, you know, you know, some funders may start denying claims or maybe they start adding modifiers, um, who knows? And, um, and then, you know, claims uh, slow down, pro process claims slow down. And so having that money on hand to pay your payroll is highly recommended since even if you have a clinic or, or you're just doing in-home, um, the vast majority of your expenses are gonna be payroll related. So having that money in your bank account um, will be extremely helpful um, if, you, uh, you know, if you have issues with funders or if you wanna grow. So let's say you do add that clinic uh, and you do every all of that through you know, loans and uh, mortgage, whatever but you're still having to expand um, you know, your payroll because you're gonna be hiring more people, right? Uh, to bring in more clients. And so ha again, having that money in your account can really uh, help you with the growth side of things on payroll. Because again, the vast majority of your expenses are going to be payroll or payroll dependent. So 
you know, it's not just about payroll tax. It's also about workers comp. Uh, that's going to be directly tied to your payroll. Um, your professional liability is typically tied directly to how many staff you have. Um, you know, all of your practice management softwares or uh, your uh, your email, things like that. Again, how many employees do you have? It's going to depend on uh, that's going to that will increase the price. Right. So uh, same with training, all of that. Right. Is going to be directly tied to the number of staff that you have. So um, really, you're just having that money in your account uh, can certainly help um, when when you're starting to expand or if you have these issues with your your funders. Cal Medical Billing is comprised of experienced medical billers and coders who specialize in ABA billing. Founded by a team of professionals who have worked as staff billers for multiple agencies, CalMed strives to provide a level of service and communication that feels like your own in-house team without the costs and worries that come with having employees. They offer billing and credentialing services with no term contracts and have served ABA clients across multiple states for nearly a decade. Call 213-277-7999 or visit their website at www.calmedbilling.org to set up a free consultation. The next question I got was, um, how can you uh, decrease costs? Uh, so some really quick and I don't know this is what we did over the years, but some really easy ways to do this, especially on the equipment side, let's get refurbed stuff. So you can go, depends on what you're purchasing, obviously. Uh, we used all iPads, iPhones, Macs. So, um, you know, eBay is a great place to go. Uh, Apple's website has refurb stuff. Amazon also sells refurb Apple stuff, but you can go to you know eBay and Amazon for refurbed PCs as well or Android phones. Um, so that is a really good way to save money on equipment. Um, with eBay in particular, you can buy devices in bulk so you can ask those sellers like hey if i get 20 ipads will you give me a, uh, an even bigger discount on refurbed items so that may be something that you want to try doing uh that's what we did uh so uh just getting instead of getting you know the big um ipads get ipad minis our staff loved ipad minis so that was that's also another way to save on um on equipment expenses Something else is, you know, we had an Amazon account uh, to get toys and materials, uh, but we didn't use it that often uh, because Facebook Marketplace is amazing for this kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, rather than getting something new on Amazon, maybe go on Facebook Marketplace and find something there. Um, you can drastically reduce uh, your costs for that kind of stuff for toys and, and things like that. So that may be a really good uh, place to go for for that. And then same with like if you are getting to the point where you're adding a clinic or expanding and maybe you have multiple clinics, uh, Facebook Marketplace is a great place for like office equipment as well, like desks, uh, chairs, things like that. Um, and what we ended up doing when we moved into our clinic is our realtor 
uh, knew of some uh, a business that was closing their doors and so we were able to get all of our office furniture and like filing cabinets and um even supplies from that company and it was very inexpensive so you may want to check that out too if that's something that you're planning on doing or or you're going through that process that can save a ton of money we got really nice office furniture and chairs and you know we got a, a conference table and uh, we even got like um some computers um and then pens and hole punches and, and just tons of stuff and we got it for about five thousand dollars um and we we furnished an entire four thousand square foot uh clinic with with that so uh there are definitely ways to save and then the other thing i would recommend is like costco versus amazon amazon is wonderful if you need something really quick um but you know costco for supplies so you know printer ink paper lamination laminating sheets things like that um costco can be fairly inexpensive and then you don't just buy everything on the internet uh so it does kind of give you that pause um and then obviously setting budgets for all of this stuff is really important and sticking to those budgets so you know you're not overspending on areas and you're you're kind of um again making a budget um and not buying too much too quickly um and that that also helps with the next question that we're going to get into which is profit so the next one i'm going to be sharing my screen so let me see if i can do that all right so you should be seeing me and then my screen and so this tool we have in our aba business leaders membership um, and I do highly recommend, you know, doing a budget, especially starting out, you want to know, um, how much your rates are, um, how much profitability, uh, you're going to get from those rates. So it's really important to do a budget. When I, when I researched this in the past, you know, healthcare companies, it can vary wildly the profit margins, but, you know, typically home healthcare companies are around 10% some you know it's 10 to 20 percent and so shooting for that 10 to 20 percent is probably good a good idea but again it depends so it's going to depend on your obviously your rates right your rates are going to determine everything so if your rates are awful then your profit is going to be awful too so that's another reason why I highly recommend rate negotiation uh if at all possible is super important um, and then if you cannot rate negotiate, you know, put the numbers into a budget and see, am I losing money on every case that I take from this funder? And if that's the case, then you cannot accept those rates. So you have two options. You either don't uh, work with that funder um, or you work out of network. And then maybe that may be a better option for you. And uh, there are pros and cons to working out of network and um, you know, I'm not going to get into those today, but that that is something that, you know, if, if the rates are too low, you have to leave the network um, because you just cannot lose money on every case or, or make almost no profit. So it's really important that you know your rates. And then another thing that I will say on this is can you concurrently bill with your funders? That is going to change things um, a, a lot as well. So. Um, so knowing those two things can 
really change your profit margins and the calculations that we're going to do in this exercise that we'll go through. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say on profit that is going to, you know, it, it doesn't really change how much money you make, um, but it can change um, like what it looks like as far as profit versus are you giving yourself um, an income? So a lot of practices are going to be escort. So they're going to give themselves a very low salary and then carry everything over in dividends, um, which is great, right? Because you're going to be saving on taxes, um, but it's going to artificially give you a higher profit margin than you would if you gave yourself a regular, <clears throat> a regular BCBA salary. And so as you start adding BCBAs, you will see your profit margin fall because you've taken such a low salary um, and now you're actually having to pay, you know, BCBAs what they're, what they're actually worth. And so you're going to see a decrease if that's how you're doing things. So, you know, just, just keep that in mind as you're going through this process and, you know, what, what is actually profit, um, you know, because again, if you're giving yourself, you know, like a $30,000 salary, um, that, and then you're carrying everything else over in dividends, you're going to see a higher profit, uh, um, than you would if you're giving yourself an $80,000 salary. Um, and, and so you may have a lower profit margin, but it's the same, right? It's working out to be the same. The only difference would be on the personal side, your taxes may be higher if you're giving yourself that kind of a, um, a salary. Uh, versus a lower salary. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through this budget really quickly. So this is the main page. It gives you your profitability, right? So uh, we can highlight over this and it will tell us like how much profit we're making. Hopefully you can see that. But right now it's um, looks to be around 9%, I believe. Um, and then, you know, we have our um, total income right here. Uh, which is 31 and change. And then we have our expenses, which is 29. And then we have our total profit. So how do we come up with those numbers? So if you go to the income calculator, this is going to give you an estimate. So this is where you can run through your estimates. So you can put in the number of clients that you're going to have. Right now we have it at nine clients. And then we have the average number of sessions that we're going to be doing a week for any given client. So I'm averaging this out that over our nine clients, we're going to do five sessions a week and our average session time is two, uh, two hours. Again, you're going to need to adjust that, right? Like if you're seeing, if you only take an intensive cases, so, you know, this is going to change from 10 hours to 30 hours. Uh, so the number of cases that you can uh, take is obviously going to change. Um, and then you can put in the, uh, the percentage of protocol modification that you're doing. Uh, you can put in the uh, amount of family guidance that you're going to be doing, ongoing assessment. And then you can also add in cancellation rates. And uh, we can look at that a little bit too, um, just to see what the difference in cancellation rates will do. At Element RCM, our vision is a childhood for every child. And our mission is to strengthen all who improve the lives of children. How do we do that? Through our billing and insurance expertise that we've gained with our founding team's 20 plus years of expertise in the ABA field. We have a singular value proposition to improve your cash collection rate and velocity. 
We understand you because we've lived it. It's hard to battle with insurance companies. At Element, we work with all size providers from single BCBA startups to multi-state large organizations. What's our advantage? We're a billing and insurance company built by ABA owners for ABA owners. Make more money, gain more time, worry less. We help you with your core ABA business so you can do what you love. Find us online at www.elementrcm.ai. And then you put in your rates uh, down here. So your protocol modification rate, your family guidance, um, your direct service rate. Um, and then if you do group, um, and then your assessment and your ongoing assessment rates. And I'm gonna do a little exercise on the group as well. Uh, how you get that answer in our calculator is a little uh, confusing, but I'll go through that. So once you have your rates in here, uh, and these rates are just random. So, you know, if your rates are higher or lower, that's fine. Like these, again, are just random rates that I put in here for the exercise. Um, so you would just take, in, in this instance, you would just take the average of your rates, and that's based on your clients. So, you know, maybe it's 25% Anthem, and then 30% Aetna, and 20% Cigna, and then, you know, TRICARE makes up the rest. So you would want to average your rates based on the number of clients you have just to kind of get a projection. Or this is a great tool, again, if you're just starting and you're getting your contracted rates and you're like, hmm, is this a good rate or a bad rate? This is a great thing to do, right? So you can actually put in those specific rates and then figure out, okay, am I gonna be profitable on these? How, what, is, what is my profit going to be if I'm using these rates? And then you can put in your payroll. So how many staff are you going to have? And that's obviously based on the number of billable hours that you're going to get from the last screen. Um, and then, you know, what is your hourly rate? And again, these rates are just random. These wages I put in here, it's going to depend on the state. It's going to depend on your area. If you're in a city versus out in the country, right? This, these rates are going to be different. And then how many uh, billable on uh, non-billable hours do you allow? Do you do any vacation time or training hours? Then you go to your BCBA staff. And this is where I mentioned, you know, especially with a smaller practice, if you're the sole BCBA and you're the owner and you're doing all the things, um, you may give yourself lower billable hourly rate or your hourly rates may be lower than, you know, if you were to hire a BCBA. Um, so, you know, you can put in, give yourself a salary. You need to give yourself a salary, but it doesn't uh, a regular high BCBA rate salary. Again, talk to your accountant on this, but, um, bringing your profit over in dividends may um, just may give you more money at the end of the year because you're not uh, paying so much out in taxes. But we're going to do the same thing again. So how many non-billable hours do you have? Um, vacation time, any uh, training that you're getting, any support staff that you have, and what are, what are you paying them? Again, vacation time, um, how many hours are they going to get a week? And then do you have any benefits? So healthcare, what is your average per month cost on that? Um, what is your workers comp um, um, payroll? Uh, and then your payroll taxes. So, you know, obviously as you're starting to grow, if you don't have workers comp, you're gonna need it. I highly recommend getting it. Um, and so getting that number, if, you, if, if you're just starting out, it's good to put it in here as well. And then we'll go to the expenses calculator. 
And so these are just a list of expenses that most ABA practices have. Um, and uh, the, the one thing I, I failed to mention on, you know, skewing your profitability, um, especially again, when you're starting a lot of, of ABA practices start out in home and their office is their home. So like when you start to grow and, um, you know, maybe you're paying yourself to use your office space in your home again, talk to your accountant, but you can do that. Um, but you know, as you start to grow and you get a clinic or you get office space, now you're actually having to pay that expense. So this will, as you start to add employees, it will bring your profitability down um, because that wasn't an expense that you needed to pay for uh, when you started. So that's just something, again, to be aware of, right? So then you go to the dashboard and you can see, okay, how much profit am I making, right? So that's that's what we're looking at. So, um, you know, just making some adjustments on this. So, you know, maybe your, your rates are a little bit lower, right? So if we go and we say our protocol modification rate is actually um, $80 an hour versus um, versus 100. And then um, we go over to the dashboard. And now we can see how much lower our profitability is going to be. Um, you know, if you go to the payroll calculator and, you know, your your average B again, you've hired a BCBA and now the average billable rate is not 50 anymore. It's going to be 75 maybe. Um, and the non billables is up to 60 now. Um, and so what does that do to your profit margin? Um, so now if we go back to the uh, the dashboard, we go back to the dashboard we're not making any profit, right? So we're actually losing money here. Um, so those those are the things that are going to affect, right? And again, payroll is going to be a major factor in this. So, you know, what, what we see happen quite often is that, you know, we have a low profitability. And so what do we do um, to increase our revenue so that I can, you know, pay my bills or whatever? Uh, I, I need to hire more staff, right? And I need to do it quickly. And so uh, that that causes an issue. Maybe quality goes down. Um, you're not hiring as um, the high quality staff that you would normally hire. Maybe you're having to decrease your hourly rates for your tax or your BCBAs. And so, you know, your talent pool drops because of that. And you're, you're really not able to get that high quality staff that you would like. So the rates um, are going to really determine your profit margins, obviously. Now, something else that you may want to consider, especially if you do have that clinic space, is social skills groups. So these can be very profitable depending on, again, obviously on the rates. So um, we're, we're going to be adding some calculate, calculations to the social skills group. Uh, but for now, what we're doing is you know, we're basing this on your your average unit, right? And then we're, we're multiplying that by four to get your hourly rate for social skills. So let's say our hourly rate is $40 uh, for social skills, um, the, the direct service code. And we are going to have three kids in our social skills group. Um, and they're gonna be doing like, 
maybe three hours a day. So what you would do for that is if it's $40 uh, an hour and then we're going to have three kids, that would make it $120 uh, an hour, right? Because we have three times 40. And then we're going to say that we're going to do this for um, uh, 15 hours a week. And, um, and then we're going to do uh, an hour of protocol modification um, per, uh, per um, because we we're, we're and we might have two hours of protocol modification. Again, it's going to depend on your rates. Uh, but now, if you come over here and um, you come over to the dashboard, now we were losing money the last time we looked at this, right? So let's see what it is now. Um, so look what social skills can do. Um, our profit went, or our, our, we were losing $1,000 a month, and now we're making $7,000 in profit. And that was with increased uh, BCBA rates. So uh, social skills can be highly profitable. And it, it is something that most kids um, enjoy and need anyway to generalize skills, you know, versus working with adults all the time, it can be very helpful to work with peers. And so I highly recommend, again, depending on the rates, that you use social skills as a, uh, a great source for revenue and profitability. Um, and again, skills that the kids need to work on anyway. Um, and it can be very helpful, like especially around um, cancellations um, for either clients or employees, but especially on the employee side, you know, you don't have to worry so much about cancellations um, because you can still do a social skills group even if one of your techs uh, cancels, right? Wanted to partner with Erica's billing services, maximize their reimbursements while increasing overall profitability. Our team of experts is experienced in all areas of ABA billing and can help your office whether you're an existing practice or a new startup. We bill claims to the insurance company for services of ABA, speech therapy, and occupational therapy. We submit authorization for initial assessments, ongoing treatment, and routine visits. We like to help ease this burden on providers by offering benefit checks. We call to follow up on claims that are not paid, denied, or stuck in processing after 30 days to make sure these claims are worked until they are paid. We provide account receivable reports to help show providers exactly where their financials and claims stand each month. Find out more at ericasbillingservices.com. So you can still do that social skills and maybe you step in as a second person if you need, if it's needed, uh, but you can still have that social skills group um, even if one of your techs is out for the day. So it can be, it can really help with the flexibility and uh, the, and, and, you know, you're again, not as worried about cancellations. You don't need as many RBTs. Obviously, if you have one RBT that's working with three kids, um, and instead of one-on-one, -on -one, right? So there are many benefits to this. Again, like I'm not a clinician. I'm not, I'm not April is not here today. Uh, but you know, there are lots of really good reasons why social skills should be implemented anyway. Uh, and this is on the business side of things. There are a lot of great reasons why you would do it. So I do highly recommend looking at that if at all possible, but that can definitely increase the profitability Again, we were losing money on that last calculation when we actually input like 
how much a BCBA would make on, like on an hourly rate. Um, and now we brought in that social skills and we have increased our profitability tremendously. So this is definitely something that you should look at. Um, the other thing that well, you know, do a lot to profitability is your cancellation rate. And so measuring your cancellation rate is critical. Um, so what what do you determine? Like, what do you what do you consider a canceled session is something that you're going to have to come up with. So when um, when we had our practice, we had um, four we had eight different categories. So there were two main categories and then subcategories. So there was with 24 hour notice and without 24 hour notice. And then we had staff cancellation um, and we had client cancellation and we had company cancellation and then we had vacation times. So did they give the proper notification for vacation? Did they give the pro more than 24 hour notice for um, client or employee or the, the um, the company. So a company reason may be uh, a snowstorm, right? Um, and and then um, uh, or you know hopefully it doesn't happen. But like something happened at the office, right? Maybe the power went out or um, there was a flood or you know. So those would be like company reasons for canceling sessions. And then obviously client and employee are quite self-explanatory. Um, whatever sick. Um, um, like an issue with their car, they couldn't get to the clinic or an issue with the employee's car, they couldn't get to the home. You know, those would be various reasons why the staff or um, the client would be canceling. But if, you know, if we, right now, we have this tool at 5% cancellation rate for both the client and the staff. So that's a decent cancellation rate. Now in the clinic, it's going to be different. Typically clinics have less cancels um, than in home, uh, but a good cancellation rate to shoot for is 10%. Um, if you can do better, awesome. Um, but you know, when I'm working with practices, you know, and we're discussing cancellation rate and trying to increase profitability and revenue, um, a lot of times they'll say, oh yeah, we have a really low cancellation rate. And then when we get into it, we're really noticing that the cancellation rate is much higher than they think it is. And so we see a lot of companies um, that have like 15, 20, 25% cancellation rate. These, This is not going to be helpful, right? So if we bring up our cancellation rate to 10% on staff and then we bring it up, we just leave it at 5% on on the um on the clients and then we go back to that dashboard you'll see we have decreased in profit right and so um this is just you know we've probably lost i think it was around 69 um so we probably lose around 700 dollars a month so that's you know around it's getting close to the ten thousand dollar mark that we've just lost in profit, right? That, you know, forget about utilization. We're not even talking about that, right? There may be more hours that you could possibly get and you're just getting, um, you're not you're not even utilizing the hours that you have submitted um, that you could possibly get. I'm just talking about cancellation rate of current sessions that you're doing, um, that, that can be huge, right? And then as you start to grow, um, that can get worse, so. Um, I highly recommend getting a handle on your cancellation rates 
uh, because this is you know just an area where you can definitely improve profit margin um, without doing too much, right? Without hiring new staff, without having to get more clients, um, just improving your cancellation rate. And then we can work on our utilization of hours with the current clients that we have. Does that mean we have to hire more people? Maybe, um, but having get just that the cancellations is just low hanging fruit, right? So if we can get our cancellations under control, understand who's canceling uh, and why they're canceling and how do we remove the barriers to prevent the cancellations, um, that can be super helpful when we're talking about profit. Um, but that's it really, um, super useful tool. Um, if you are a member, you have access to this. Uh, we do one-on-one -on -one consulting together. You will have access to this. Uh, but whether you go with us or not, I highly recommend using a budget tool to figure out if your rates are profitable or not. Um, and um, and, and um, it, it's just so important, especially it, you should always be doing a budget and projecting, you know, your long term goals, you know, five years out, a short term goals one year out. But especially if you're just starting uh, it's really important to have a good understanding of what um, of your budget um, and and how much profit you're making based on the rates that you're getting. Um, so it, it's really important to do a budget and and get an idea of you know don't just accept a contract um, with a funder without knowing uh, how profitable that that is. Uh, it's just it's just. And then using that budget um, can also help you rate negotiate. So uh, when we're working with um, on rate negotiation, I, I highly recommend taking a screenshot of this prop of the dashboard and and then putting it in and saying, okay, funder A, uh, when I use my standard rates, this is my profit, um, and then. Um, when I put in your rates, I'm losing money on these cases. We're gonna have to do something, right? We cannot use these rates. And so, you know, this is again, a good tool as well. Even if you're not rate negotiating, just to um, know how low of a rate you can accept. So it kind of takes out that, uh, the emotion, right? Uh, it takes out all the subjectivity. Should I take this contract or should I not? Should I rate negotiate or should I not? If you have already used the budget tool and you know I need at least a direct service um, uh, hourly rate of $52, or I absolutely need a BCBA uh, protocol modification rate of $95 an hour, then you know uh, as these contracts come in, as you have opportunities to rate negotiate, you know what's the minimum. Um, so that your company can be uh, provide ethical services, high quality services, uh, so that it's sustainable uh, is it, so important. Um, and yeah, that's that's really it. If you have any questions, feel free to post them in Facebook or in the chat in Teams, and I will try to answer them at another time. Um, but hopefully, this was helpful. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed these, uh, ask me anything uh, sessions. So, uh, we'll continue to offer these every couple of months probably, and, uh, we'll be posting them and please, um, just leave your questions so that we can answer them. Uh, but other than that, have a wonderful day and we will see you next week. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully it was helpful. If you would like to gain access to this entire video and actually our entire library of videos, please join our ABA Business Leaders membership. You can find that at www.3piesquare.com. Thank you.